This is Jittery Jack, and you're listening to Jim and Mike Talk. guest on our show he's a singer songwriter rockabilly guitarist that's right from boston massachusetts the one the only jittery jack hey guys <laughs> how you doing hey hey so do we call you jack sure oh, okay so you're you're in boston you live in do you live in boston no, I live a little bit north of the city. I live in a small town called Manchester by the Sea. Perhaps you've heard okay. of it. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Put my little town on the map, you see. Yeah. Did you grow up in uh, Massachusetts? Yeah, I, I moved here when I was a kid. I was born in England, and I moved here when I was uh, pretty young, and I grew up right mm-hmm. here in the town, in Manchester. Okay. So, yeah, I hear oh, a little no. bit of an accent there. Very it's cool. A, it's a hodgepodge of sorts, but... <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So, um, when you were, uh, when, when did you first discover music? Um, well, at a young age, I mean, my, growing up, my father was a musician. Um, and, uh, so he, he played guitar and he, he was a big music fan. He liked, uh, he liked old rock and roll and a lot of country music. And when I was okay. a kid, I used to hate country music and, and he'd just say, just wait, you know, the wife hasn't mm-hmm. left you yet. And you know, the yeah. job, because one day <laughs> you'll understand it later. Right. And he was right, because I sure, I sure do love it. And my grandfather was not a musician, but he was a massive music fan. He was a neat guy. He, um, he lost his hand in a woodsaw when he was like 13, back in like the 30s, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but it never slowed him down. He was like a truck driver, and he, he, there was like really nothing he couldn't do. Uh, but he loved country music. So growing up, it was just always around, you know. And in England, the radio over there is really great. I mean, it's, it's not like it used to be, but it's still pretty good. Like even like your top 40 station would play – you know, they play like the top 40 song and then they play like a Buddy Holly song or something. You know, it was like really yeah. very varied. So at a young age, I was always exposed to music and a lot of old rock and roll and stuff. And we used to go, um, I'd spend the weekends with my grandparents and we'd go to uh, the British Legion Hall and they'd have live bands and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, Bill Haley and Gene Vincent, Eddie Cochran, stuff like that. I knew about all that stuff from a very young age. And um, and the bug started there, I suppose. And, you know, as you get older, you find your own stuff. I, I like punk rock and, and, and things like that. But then, like, you know, you, you kind of make that progression of, well, what are these guys that I like? What do they listen to? And suddenly you find, you're like, well, oh, they like Eddie Cochran, too. And so it just kind of, it went from there. And I, I so, so yeah, so as a young adult, did you, did you uh, experience punk and new wave and alternative and stuff like that? And then come, and then come back and, and yeah, see what I you mean, wanted in, in rockabilly? Pretty, at a pretty young age, it became mainly a rockably thing. I, I played in a band, a country band with this gal uh, called Xana Don't. She lives in Seattle now, but she's from Boston. Mm-hmm. And I played with um, 
Johnny O'Halloran, who was, uh, he was one of the legendary O'Halloran brothers, like the, the, the uh, other brothers were the Dogmatics, and uh, a guy called Dana Stewart, who later on went on to be in the, uh, the Racketeers. Oh, okay. uh, he and I were in the band together, and we started, you know, we were hanging out and listening to, you know, country music, but like, you know, listening to stuff like, uh, like the guys we like listen to, and suddenly the Rockabilly thing started happening pretty quickly. I would say by around... You know, 19 years old, that's kind of where I fixated and I've been stuck there ever since. I've always done different things. Like I've played in different kinds of bands. I, I was, I had a brief, uh, a brief uh, tour of duty in a band called Moving Targets, which was, was like a legendary mm -hmm. Boston post-punk band with a guy called Kenny mm -hmm. Chambers. And um, like that's a band like Who's Could Do listed as like an influence. You know, they came, the, yeah. that band came out in the early 80s and he sort of reformed the band in the early 90s. And I had a brief stint playing with Kenny in that band. And honestly, I kind of, BS my way into the gig because I, I really had no business, <laughs> but I was a big fan. So, so at that point, were, was it vocals and guitar, or what were you doing at that point? Uh, just guitar back then. I didn't really okay. start singing until um, it's probably about in my early twenties. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't. Really, I always sang around the house and stuff, but I never really had a confidence for singing until until uh, my early twenties. And I um, Dana had started the Racketeers, and I really wanted to be in that band, and they would let me come up and do a couple songs and stuff, but uh, they ended up picking someone, this guy, John Porth, who was also, in, later was in the Conks, he, he got the gig as like the rhythm guitar player, and I was really sore, uh, but Dana said, you they... need to start your own band, we, we need more bands, so I, I started a band with a guy called Jack Hanlon, who was in the Amazing World Crowns, we called the Loudermilk Brothers, and then shortly after that, I started the Raging Teens with, uh, with Amy, of course, mm -hmm. and... Um, that's 25 years now. In fact, we're having our 25th anniversary of the Raging Teens will be in um, 2021, which is crazy to think about because Amy was wow. 18 when I met her, you know, it's, it's so yeah. weird. So time 25 flies. years. Yeah. So, the, so these were all Boston bands that like yeah. the racket, yeah. racketeers, they're from, are they from? They're from, from Boston. Boston. Yeah, they were yeah. Boston. Band. So in the 90s, we had a really great rockabilly scene in Boston. You know, the Cranktones mm -hmm. were like the premier band that had been around before us. In fact, John, the bass player from the Cranktones, plays with me now, Jitter Jack Band, and, uh, and actually Stan, the drummer, does too. So I have two-thirds of the Cranktones playing with me, which is <laughs> a real treat, because those were the cats that we, we, like, cut our teeth learning how to play, going to see those guys, you know? So it's nice to come full circle and get to play with them. And um, so we had, like, the Racketeers, the Bourbon Airs, uh, there was, like, the Stumbleweeds, the uh, um, Cranktones, of course, you know, the Royal Crowns down in Rhode Island, but there was a lot of bands, Speed Devils. There was a, there was a really great scene in Boston, you know? So the Raging Teens formed... Uh, I was living in New Hampshire briefly, and that's where I met mm -hmm. Amy and Jim and uh, Keith, the original Raging Teens guys. And so the band kind of started in New Hampshire and then kind of morphed to be really just a Boston band. Everyone sort of moved this way. And, yeah. And we did you that move back. You moved back from New Hampshire for the scene and the activity? Uh, it was, no, it was kind of a, it was kind of a, um, a marriage. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens. Yeah, well, yeah. Back, you know, these things happen. The marriage is no more, but we, we, we get along just fine. My ex-wife was a musician too. So, uh, yeah. she was a pretty accomplished, uh, singer songwriter, uh, Mary Lou Lord is her name. So, yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, so there's a big rockabilly scene in Boston. There was. I mean, it's not so okay. much anymore. I mean, everyone's kind of older now and we don't, uh, I mean, I, live music as a whole seems to just really, I mean, I hope when this terrible pandemic ends, people mm -hmm. kind of really realize what they missed and re embrace yeah. it again. Yeah. It's, it's been tough times. I mean, we, you know, we, we always like to joke we can't get arrested in Boston, but we, you know, we go to Europe, <laughs> we, go to Australia, we go to California, you know, and we, yeah. we, have, uh, we have a crowd and yet in town, it was like, oh, those guys, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. I guess that's that's true with any place you're from, you know what I mean? So Yeah. 
Tell me yeah. about this uh, Rockabilly Festival. I saw you. Was that? Uh, that was in Boston. Fun. There's a number. I mean, there's a great one. We, the big one every year is in Viva Las Vegas. That's that's been oh okay. 22, 23 years and it happening now. Obviously, this year didn't wow. happen. Yeah, and, uh, I've been playing that festival since like the late late nineties with uh, with the Raging Teens, and um, now Tom Ingram that runs it is you know has sort of become a pal at this point. And I now I'm fortunate enough to I go every year because I work the event on one of the MCs, mm -hmm. so uh, I get to introduce bands all weekend long, and that means I'm always going to end up playing too. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we don't always have a, a regular slotted gig every year, but me and Amy always end up going because she gets hired to play. It's like she was supposed to play this year with. Um, Bank of the Shillelagh Sisters, which is uh, it's it's Lynn Bora and Boz Bora, Boz Bora of the Polecats and Morrissey fame, mm -hmm. um, and the singer in that band was the uh, the gal from Bananarama, and it was the band oh, okay. for Bananarama, and um, they were doing a reunion, and they hired Amy to play guitar, but obviously that didn't happen this year. Supposedly cool. it's all gonna. It's not the girl that was in uh, Shakespeare's Sister, was it? I, you know, I don't I know, don't know yeah. which which gal is the singer. I forget her name. Okay. I, I met her, but I uh, I don't remember. We played. There were, I think three girls in that band. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember which gal was the singer. That's that's you know I I did meet her. We we played a show in uh, London last summer with um with Lynn and Boz, and she was there. We get to meet her, and Amy got to meet her because mm -hmm. she was going to play with her, you know. But I'm assuming yeah. we hung out some more in Vegas, but that didn't happen. So that's that's the big one that happens every year. But there's a great so festival. Uh, it's always Easter weekend. Although this next year okay. they it to September because of Obviously, COVID, they don't think things are going to be ready in the spring. But, yeah, because uh, we're, we're, planning we're planning a trip to Vegas. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, that's a good time. It's usually Me every and my buddies. weekend. But this year, yeah. it's, next year is going to be September. And, um, I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible time. It's, I mean, I think it's like about 10,000 people there. And then they, they do the car show on the Saturday, which brings, like, I think like an additional 10,000 people. It's, it's crazy. It's all weekend long. So that's, that's the big granddaddy of the festivals. But we have a great festival in, in New England now that uh, it's been going on for about six years now. It's called the New England mm -hmm. Shake-Up. This gal, Beck okay. Russell, she put it together. She runs Swell Tune Records. And it's, um, selfishly, I love it because it's an hour from my house, you know what I mean, which is great. Mm -hmm. But it's also it's a really neat festival because it's all about the music. There's no, you know, there's no, like, pin-up shows and burlesque and all that stuff. It's yeah. just about the bands and the music. And she gets great bands from all over the world. So that's... That's happening last weekend in September 2021. This year had to get mm -hmm. canceled, obviously, because of things. But uh, that's mm -hmm. that's a real good time. If you're in the Northeast, that's that's a that's a not miss event. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. well, we're in Jersey, so yeah. Oh yeah, well, that's an yeah. easy road trip for you, fellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now speaking of speaking of COVID and so many live shows aren't able to happen and such, uh, Jim told me that uh, you were doing something uh, just recently. Uh, Live concert or uh, last yeah last night yeah, I do uh, Friday nights mm -hmm. I do a little uh, little live stream from my kitchen which is uh it, it's it's funny I mean I, I was reluctant to do it at first because I I'm not a great guitar player I've always surrounded myself with talented people so I can I like to say I've got four chords on a good day you know what I mean but. Mm -hmm. uh, Necessity kind of dictated that mm -hmm. I should do that, and uh, and I've actually been having a lot of fun. I mean, it's been months now. I've been doing it every Friday night, mm -hmm. and um, I Those just I don't like an hour. I don't play too long, you know. But I and mm -hmm. I tell I play some songs and I tell some stories, and it's it's a fun. It's just a fun thing to have to look something to look forward to, you know. So a thing to do every week mm -hmm. because there's no. Well, I, I was on there last night. I requested uh, Viking Rock. Oh, hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, I got yeah. to dig deep for that one. I, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. That was on the first EP, and I. I don't think I've played that song in, geez, probably 
close to 10 years or something. I don't know. So mm-hmm. I, but I remembered it, I think. So uh, thanks for the request. That's, that's about a friend, you said, right? Yeah, Jan he's, Svensson, who's, um, he's, he's a, a Swedish guy from Eskilstuna. Mm-hmm. And uh, his yeah. band's called Wildfire Willie and the Ramblers, and they're absolutely fantastic. And when we were younger, younger, a younger act, we were, that was kind of the band that we, a lot of the American bands tended to lean more towards like a neo-rockabilly thing, like, or, or a psychobilly thing. And these mm-hmm. guys, uh, Jan has a thing, he's, he's just like the record, he says. He's obsessed <laughs> with rock and roll and their sound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you'd never know they were from Sweden, you would never know those records weren't recorded in the 50s. They're, they're, they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he's a great friend. And um, so I wrote that song for Jan because we've, we've had some good times together through the years, him coming over and visiting and staying with us. And uh, So he lives he lives in Sweden? Yeah, he's a Swedish guy. Okay. I was there a couple of, couple of years ago. My wife yeah, loved, there. loves Sweden. Oh, it's we're, a good time, right? I've, we're hoping I've, to go back next year. Stockholm. Yeah, been, they, they, they like to party and have a good time. I mean, they really are Vikings, you know. We did, um, yeah. <laughs> last cool. summer, we, did, we didn't go to Sweden. We went to Finland and played okay. a festival on Midsummer, which was a, a total trip because it's like the sun doesn't set, you know. It's like the craziest thing. It's yeah. like you're drinking and you're like, suddenly you're like. It's 11 o'clock. It's 3 in the morning <laughs> and the sun's still up, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. really yeah. weird, but. It was a good time. It's fun. I, I love that. I don't think I'd like to be there in the winter. It's the opposite. It's all dark all the time, right? But in the right, summer, right. Time, yeah. So, yeah. Cool, so when when did you first pick up a guitar? Did well, you start playing guitar? You played a different instrument, or you, guitar? Or was it guitar? I'd like to say uh, I, I I've always played guitar and never really got that good at that, and never really bothered to do anything else. And I can play a little <laughs> bass, little drums, not enough to hurt me any, you know. But uh, when growing up, my father played guitar, and uh, I'm going to throw mm-hmm. him under the bus right now because the jerk never. <laughs> He'd always say, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get around to learning that, you know, like uh-huh. it, just never, it just never happened. I used to try and play <laughs> right. around with it, but it wasn't until I moved to the States, I, I I was bored, and I think my mom wanted, you know, give me a thing to do to sort of drive mm-hmm. her crazy, so she actually, my mom bought me my first guitar, and uh, I think within, within you know, within a six-month window, I got about as good as I am now. I never really got yeah. better, so, you know, I figured out I could, yeah. as, I, as long as I had enough to get by, I could, you know, I could get by on that, so it's... Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I started playing when I, when I was 15, I yeah. took lessons. I know about six chords now. <laughs> yeah, my, is that right? My, my, uh, I took a couple of lessons from this. There was this old lady here in town, and she um, she was teaching me that she was like a real folky. She was into Peter, Paul, and Mary. She was trying to teach yeah. me, you know, um, if I had a hammer and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's not really what I'm into. I mean, I had a, a friend who was a couple years older who played, you know, he was like the guitar player guy in school, you know, like he could play like Eddie Van Halen and stuff. And he was like, yeah. I'll teach you some stuff. So I, uh, we had a little band in high school, me and him, because I think he just mm-hmm. wanted someone to play where they could play the chords, you know what I mean? So he could yeah. solo. So, so you're yeah. more of a rhythm guitarist. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. my my pledge for this pandemic has been to get better at guitar playing. Like, mm-hmm. my aspiration is to become a good um, mediocre guitar player. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'm getting close. You know what I mean? It's one thing when you sit around the house, you're like, I got this thing. And then like, you know, you go out, you're like, okay, maybe I don't, you know? And it's and when you play with such talented people, like I've been playing with Amy for 25 years. I mean, she is. Oh, she, yeah. I've seen the, yeah. your video. She's great. She's you know, good. But, um, and she's not just great because she's a woman. She's, she's just a great guitar player. And uh, yeah. so it's tough when you, when you, when you're dealing with that, you know, how do you, uh, how do you even compete really? You know? So I've always felt like felt that way, but I, my, my goal is like, we do it sometimes live. We do think she's one of these people who can play anything. So we, we do a mm-hmm. sometimes stand from the crank tones playing with us. He's a great singer and, and a rhythm guitar player too. And he's a fantastic drummer, but we'll do a thing where like, he'll come up and sing 
and Amy mm-hmm. will play the drums, which usually means I'm hoping like hell some there's a guitar player in the audience. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my goal is I can I can hold my own just for like a song or two. I can hold my own, you know. Oh, that's I'm great. Close, you know what I mean. But um, so, so how about your band? I was wondering if uh, the people, your drummer, your bass player that I see uh, in the videos if they're with your band officially or contractual or, you know, how's that work? Well, the, the who's with you premise, now? And yeah, the whole premise of the jittery Jack act, if you will, was when I started doing that, the whole thing was, it was, it was my project. So I was never, I never really, in fact, Barron Whitfield, who's a legendary uh, Boston guy I've been friends with for years. Uh, you know, so the Raging Teens kind of, we never actually officially broke up, but we just stopped being an active band because, you know, everyone was doing different stuff and I'd become a dad and, you know, uh, you know mm-hmm. this kind of thing. So I've been writing songs. I had this idea to do this sort of jittery jack thing. I did a couple of gigs and just got a few players in. And then Barron's told me, he's like, what are you waiting for? He's like, just go make a record. Get the best people you know, make the record. He goes, if you make mm-hmm. the record, they'll book you. They'll give you a band in mm-hmm. Europe. Whatever. Oh, yeah. Right, they will. So I... So I made the record here in town and Amy didn't play on the first EP. I used this guy, Jerry Miller. Jerry Miller's played with like Jay Gow's band and he's a monster mm-hmm. player. He plays with this gal called Alien Jewel now. And um, so I hired him, uh, John, who plays bass with me now. And um, this guy, uh, John Williams, played drums on it, who's in the Amazing Royal Crown. So um, I did that and then I got hired. You know, I sent the record to Tom Ingram from Viva Las Vegas. He's like, hey, do you want to play? We've had a cancellation main stage gig you know and i was like yes i'll do it and then i instantly realized i don't have a band so i had to call uh, <laughs> gotta gotta get some people gotta get... <laughs> so i called my buddy deke dickerson and said because i knew deke would be there i said hey you know would you be up for playing guitar and he said yeah of course i said i said great and can you help me put a band together so he got this guy dave wolf from uh, minneapolis lives in texas now and this guy Chris Sprague, who we know we all know and love us we call him sugar balls he's the drummer for uh straight jackets now so well, that was my backing band for the first Vegas gig. And uh, this guy, Reb Kennedy from Wild Records, caught the act and he liked it and said, hey, I want to have you come out to L.A. and record a record. He goes, I'll provide all the, all the musicians. And then about two weeks before, he said, um, I don't, he was going to have this guy, Omar Romero, play guitar. And Omar had some stuff going on. He's like, do you have a guitar player in Boston that might want to come out? you know, to LA and make a record. And I, the first person I could think of that I've always loved playing with and who would probably drop everything to, to go do it was Amy. So I said, Hey Amy, how would you mm-hmm. feel about going to do this thing? And she's like, okay, I'll come do it. But she's like, this is like, it's your gig. I'm just I'm like the hired gun, you know? So we, we did that mm-hmm. record together. And I was like, you know what, this is really fun playing with you. And I missed that. So I said, you know, that's, you're in the band now. So the band is really me and her. Mm-hmm. Uh, like okay. I, I always say it's jittery Jack with Amy Griffin on guitar. Cause she's, mm-hmm. she's her own entity. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. So it's the two of us, that's the core of the band. Locally, I mean, we've had a bit of a rotating cast of people, and we still do. Like, sometimes if John can't do a gig, I'll have someone else play bass, and someone else will do it as a trio. Uh, but that's the main local band. But we, it's so hard, you know, financially to take a band on the road now that um, we, mm-hmm. we have people. Like, I have West Coast guys I use. I have Canadian guys I use. I have guys, if I go down to New York, I got guys down there I use, and, uh, and European people. So okay. we basically... Mm-hmm. Me and Amy come as the package, and we use a pickup rhythm section usually. Oh, okay. you know, yeah. I mean, I wish I could take my guys out on the road all the time, but there's... Yeah, well, that, that keeps it exciting, certainly, uh, you know, playing with different people and stuff. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But, right, you know, right. Usually <laughs> I know everyone, so it's kind of, I know the deal, but there's a couple of times we've had, like, a last-minute fill-in person. There's like, we're like, oh, boy, here we go. You know what I mean? But yeah. I always joke with, when we're playing with Amy, everyone's looking at her anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was... 
Yeah, I was watching a video this morning, and yeah, she's uh, she's got great licks, and she's just she's really good. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, she's really multifaceted too. She's she's got she got hired for this gig recently um, in Boston. Um, so the Red Sox have this, this organization called the Jimmy Fund, and they mm -hmm. do this fundraiser every year called uh, Hot Stove Cool Music. Peter Gammons from ESPN is one of the organizers mm -hmm. of it, and we played it years ago with the Raging Teens and uh, Kay Hanley from Letters to Cleo put together this group called I know that band. Band of the Rome. It's all, uh, it's all women musicians. And every year they have guests like last year, it was like Sherry Curry from the Runaways and uh, uh, Debbie Peterson, the drummer from the Bangles played. So Amy mm -hmm. got the gig playing guitar with that. So they, wow. they now do it in Boston and Chicago because Theo Epstein, who used to be the Red Sox, you know, uh, GM is now obviously with the Cubs. So they do it in Boston and Chicago. So she's got that gig and she might be playing, you know, Someone to Love by Jefferson Airplane, you know, next to a mm -hmm. runaway song. Next to, who knows? It's a real mixed bag. She's, <laughs> she's super talented. She can play anything. I mean, she's, she plays, she's played keyboards for Bounce, the Bouncing Souls before. She's, um, she's, uh, she's in a band with Joe Gittleman from the Boston's called Avoid One Thing. Uh, and uh, mm -hmm. they just put a new record out recently. They hadn't done anything in 15 years. And they privately, secretly recorded a brand new record and then, like, unveiled it, you know, so... Wow. So she does a little bit of everything. She's 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 a hired gun and she's always busy. So you know, I uh, I'm like a one trick pony. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got my one I, thing. I would, on the way over to the studio, for, I drove over from uh, Pennsylvania to wa beautiful Washington, New Jersey. Here, yeah, uh, I was li was listening to um, your 2014 album, "Gonna Have a Time." I, yeah. I love the title because it's like you know you don't know mm -hmm. if you're gonna have a good time or a bad time, but you're gonna have a time. <laughs> That's right. Jittery Jack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. I just I was really impressed, uh, especially the first couple songs. Then I listened to the whole thing. Just real. Um, real uh, classic rockabilly. I mean, just the true. It's a pure. It's a pure rockabilly. Well, we're just wondering, them. yeah, just wondering, uh, you know, just thinking about how uh, you've been in different bands, you've done different things, yep. and just to, to keep that, uh, it's interesting, and uh, I admire that, because, uh, you know, you can, you can uh, make it impure, and you can go different ways, you know, it's a blended, you know, it's like a fusion Thai restaurant, you know, you, you throw yeah. in other dishes <laughs> along, with, <laughs> along with what's Thai. Uh, yeah, just any thoughts on that? Well, that, for that, me... I, I appreciate the sentiment there, and, and that's always the goal, is to, is to achieve that kind of very traditional sound. I like to think that we're a little bit more of a mixed bag, like if you really want to get into the rockabilly purist, you know, mm -hmm. pole, mm -hmm. you know, we do play rockabilly, but we also play 50s rock and roll, and we even dabble in like a little bit of like late 50s, early 60s, almost like teetering on garage stuff, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but we always try to make it true to that the time frame of when it's from, you know, like they're, right. a band, they're just a traditional rockabilly band. That's all they do. You know, and we yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. do a little bit more than that. And mm -hmm. I, and, and I, I, as much as I appreciate the sentiment, I always yeah. feel like it's a, I'm still trying to get there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. time, I really liked the way the la that record came out. We recorded it locally. It was all recorded live, uh, basically to cool. a, a one track machine. And oh, that's uh, awesome. Set up and play, that's what know? I like. I like the sound. I like the sound on the first album. Yeah, that, that yeah it came out good. It, it sounds like it could be something from the 50s. That that's all you're listening cool, to. You know, it's, you know, uh, it's not overproduced. Or, I'm, yeah, and well, there is no live. production. It's like you set up and you play, and if you don't like it, you yeah. do it again. Because well, that's as what long I love about it. Listen to our records is as yeah. long as you can record them. You know what I mean? So, that's uh, I the, 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 the fun the fun to work ratio is really at your advantage there. You actually do get to have fun without too many hours of laborious editing and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, that's, sure. so there, there's an advantage, real advantage there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it's all about compromise too. Like if you, if you're tracking a live track and someone like, I finally get the vocal right. And Amy has a little mm -hmm. flow on the guitar. Like she's got to live with yeah. it. You know? and yeah. Now, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. We keep that. 
the yeah. technology has yeah. evolved to the point where you can kind of cheat enough to you can use yeah. things like Pro Tools and then bounce it to the mm -hmm. old gear so you can kind mm -hmm. of do a little bit of best. So Amy's kind of expressed an interest in wanting to do more of that because she, she always feels like mm -hmm. she's the one being judged. And, and in hindsight, yeah. I suppose, too, I, I just don't really enjoy the recording process. I like playing shows. So to me, I kind of try to treat it like it's a show. But that being said, when you go in to make a record, you might have half the record of songs that you've been playing out live for like a year or so that you're really mm -hmm. comfortable with. And then you've got new stuff that you're finishing. Like, and it's never – like a song may get recorded. And then, then you start playing that song live, and it's like it takes on a mm -hmm. different kind of approach. Yeah. You know? So we, we, this time around, we're trying to we were we were about to record a new record right before the stuff happened, and um, mm -hmm. obviously things went on lockdown. So so Amy and I have just been kind of working together on new new material, and we're gonna uh, at some point in the very near future, that's gonna be our goal for this winter is to mm -hmm. is to somehow some way get a record done. Are those all original songs? Uh, I would say the last record is probably 75% original songs. There's a few covers okay. on there. There's a, there's a couple covers that are kind of like rare. Like, it's always funny. Like, I, I'll, you know, if you do obscure stuff, the average Joe mm -hmm. thinks you wrote it, so you can kind of take yeah, it out. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the Russ Kendall song on there called Boston Baby, that was just this record I found mm -hmm. that was uh, probably like a regional hit back in the 50s. Yeah. And I love the song. So we did that one. And then there's, um, there's a Freddie Cannon song on there, uh, uh, Boston, My Hometown. That I did yeah, that okay. as homage. I've always loved the tune, and uh, mm -hmm. our, our friend. Uh, there was a band called the Kings of Nothing from uh, from Boston. That uh, the singer Tor Scoop was a, was a good friend who, who sadly passed away about five years mm -hmm. ago. So they used to do a great version of that song. So I was like, we kind of we kind of did that as a little bit of an homage to Tor. And uh, mm -hmm. now that's become our song. But when we travel, everyone wants us to hear play the Boston songs. We're like, okay, mm -hmm. cool. So yeah. It's a great tune, and I got to meet Freddie Cannon and give him a copy of the record. Oh wow! Great. Wow. And he was like, he's like, I said, oh, I'm from Boston. He goes, I'm from Boston too. I said, I said, no, Mr. Piccarilli, you're from Revere, Mass. And he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. He was impressed. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So tell us how you um, met Amelda May. Amelda May. She's uh, Amelda May. Yeah. yeah so Daryl, uh, when I was uh, recording with Wild Records, this guy uh, Reb Kennedy, who owns Wild Records, he's an Irish guy, and. Uh, he grew up, his family were, I don't think they're re relatives, or they might be cousins with Imelda's family. So he's known Imelda mm -hmm. since she was a little girl. And um, she obviously uh, married uh, this guy, Daryl Hyam, who's a guy that yeah. I had been a fan of, and uh, kind of knew, but not, not really that well. And Reb kind of connected us again. So whenever like, Imelda would come to town, the, we, we would originally we just hang out like I you know she might mm -hmm. have like interviews to do all day so me and Daryl go yeah. like shopping and stuff and we wow. became good pals and then he was like hey this is crazy let's have you so when, when Amelda would come to town we would open the show which was great we did that a couple mm -hmm. times I think three times actually and um, and it was great because I mean, she started getting really huge and it started um, yeah. each venue we would play be bigger than the last one you know and then and that uh, was just you too. Uh, just yeah, well, just and Amy, the Jittery Jack band would open for Imelda, you know. Oh, oh okay. okay, the whole band. All right, gotcha. Yeah, and then um, Daryl and I became good pals. And one of the last times they were over, he said, um, "I've had this idea that um, I wanna, I wanna make." Because Daryl's a great guitar player. I mean, one of the best, mm -hmm. and he's also he's also a great singer. So I was a little nervous about this, but he said, um, "I've always wanted to kind of make a record." where I could just focus on playing guitar and have another person sing. Mm -hmm. He's like, would you be interested in coming over and doing that? And I was like, yes, please. You know, so mm -hmm. I ended up going Very over cool. to England on my own and oh, making a record oh. with Daryl at his studio. And it was half my songs and half. So I think six, six of my songs, five of Daryl's songs. And then this guy, Pete Pritchard, 
bass player who played on the record, he uh, he actually was Scotty Moore's uh, bass oh. player for like 25 years. Wow. Scotty Moore obviously played with Elvis. Yeah. You know? And um, Pete's great. And Pete actually had a song that, that, um, that Daryl liked and I liked. So we ended up covering that song. And that came out on a label called Foot Tapping Records. In fact, I talked to Daryl recently and he said, Clive, uh, Clive keeps raving about the record. And he said, he goes, if you, do you want to make another one? Let's do it again. And I was like, okay. So obviously we've got to figure out you know, <laughs> yeah. when that can be done. But, um, you know, so that, yeah, I was going to ask you if you're singing, you're singing on that, that whole album. Yeah, that's just me singing. I'm doing yeah. all the singing. And yeah. uh, he's, he's, he's doing all the playing. I'm just singing. So, mm-hmm. But it was okay. fun. It was half my songs and half his. And it was interesting to, we actually, in the live show, we'll, we'll occasionally do a song from that record. And Amy will play Daryl's parts. And um, he, he just thinks she's the best. So he gets a big kick out of it. He's just like, he's like, it's like a real honor for someone to take the time to learn. And he loves Amy. So he's just like, she can yeah. do no wrong. You know what I mean? So he's like, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so that's always fun. He gets a kick out of that when we do it. So Cool. So what, one of the songs you play on your live stream mm-hmm. all the time, like every show, yeah. is a song Clambox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, is that an original? Oh yeah, I wrote that one. So because I I was looking for that song on Apple Music, <laughs> search for the clam I box. love that song. Oh, it's on the Wild Records album, which may not be on. Reb's really weird about digital stuff, so it might be. I think it's mm-hmm. on my Bandcamp or somewhere. You can probably find it on YouTube, okay. but I don't know if it's on. I don't know if it's downloadable because Reb's really weird. Like Reb's really old mm-hmm. school. Like buy the record, don't download. Oh, okay. It, so. Yeah. But so I wrote that song. It, yeah. So I live north of Boston, and this is this mm-hmm. is clam country, right? Oh so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Next town to Manchester is a town called Essex, Massachusetts, which they invented the fried clam, a place called Woodman's, uh, where the Beastie Boys have a song about Woodman's, the blue plate special at Woodman's. Because okay. uh, I think Ad, Ad Horowitz, whatever, Adam Horowitz, is that his name? Yeah. His yeah. father lived up in Gloucester, which is real near here. So, so, this is, so it's been referenced. So the, the fried clam is something I love. It's, like, it's a tradition around here. Yeah. And uh, so I wanted to write a song about it. Uh, but my favorite seafood restaurant it's a place called it's called essex seafood which tragically burned to the ground this winter uh, which is wow. the rebuilding so it's all good so but essex seafood didn't really have a good rhyme to it so there's a place in mm-hmm. it's called the clam box <laughs> it's actually shaped the building is shaped like an actual clam box oh, uh-huh. so like, you know what that's going to be a best so I, I just kind of stole the name of the clam box and uh and, and worked the song around that but um mm-hmm. It's not a bad spot. It's just not my local spot because I can yeah, drive yeah. about 25 minutes to get there. But uh, so, yeah, that's I think it's the first mm-hmm. ever song written about the fried clam in history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can you play a little bit of it for us? You want me to play it for you? Yeah, yeah. All right. It's about a minute and a half long. I'll give you the whole thing. That's if you okay. Want. That's okay. Excellent. Yeah. All right, let me see. I don't think um, I don't think Mike's heard it. No, no. Jim wanted me to hear it live the first time. I've not heard this song before. So. <laughs> All right. Well, here, here you go. The first he didn't, he didn't say. He didn't say try to keep a straight face throughout, but I'm going to try to keep it. You can chuck all you want. In fact, I've recently <laughs> changed one, one line in the, in the song because um, I used to date this gal years ago, and I don't know why, but her nickname was Betty. Oh, okay. Her name so wasn't Betty, Betty. Her nickname was Betty. <laughs> so I, I, so I, I, I referenced sweaty little Betty in the yeah, song. Yeah. But my mm-hmm. friend from L.A., this gal, Becky Lynn Blanca, who's someone you guys should have on your show. She's unbelievable. She does a live stream every day, Monday through Friday. Okay. Um, 4 p.m. East Coast time. She plays uh, banjolalian guitar, and she's like the strict. What's the name again? Be- Becky, Becky Lynn Blanca. 
Blanca, go ahead. We also want a band called Los Blancos, too, which is kind of a garage band. But oh. she's multi okay. she's fantastic. You, you will love her. So anyway, she keeps joking that it's, it, it, the song's about her. So now I've been calling it <laughs> Little Becky. She's, okay. <laughs> so it's Becky. One, so. All right, so here we go. The first and only song ever about the Fry Clan. We'll go uh, we'll get yeah. Shirking them clams at a break of 30 knots. Shrimps and scallops, clams and fries. Comes home greasy, I don't mind. She's my sweaty little Betty, shirking at the old clam pots. She, she's a sweaty Betty, you see. Now, if you ever have delicious fried clams, you know you smell like it for about an hour after you eat it because it's so greasy. <laughs> greasy makes it good, right? My girl Betty's working at the old clam box. She got a red hot snapper straight to her from the docks. You see her fryer is looking hotter when she comes home. She makes my mouth water. She's my sweet little Betty, shucking at the old clam box. She's my sweet little Betty, and she's shucking at the old clam box. She's my sweet little Betty, and she's shucking at the old clam box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Massachusetts. <laughs> and she's shucking? Was it shucking? Shucking clam. Shuck yeah, so she's shucking. That's what I thought she was doing. Yeah, when you yeah, open the clam, it's called yeah. shucking clam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta pry them open, you know? So she's yeah, shucking. Yeah. <laughs> 30 knots. You gotta be, if you're a clam shucker, you gotta be able to shuck them real fast, you know? So, yeah, yeah. A lot of clams to eat. Uh, <laughs> so, I wanna, wanna talk about beer. Yeah. Yeah, we which like we beer. about that earlier. Yeah. You guys saw the commercial. So, yeah. I, so, I, I was eating. For I was eating granola and oatmeal, and 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 he and Jim sends it to me, and I'm <laughs> I nearly spit it all out. It's it so hilarious. Yeah. The, the so funny thing about that commercial is like, and I don't know. I think about I don't watch Saturday Night Live very often, but um, you know, when things of that nature come up, you you know they tend to circulate and you see it. And then yeah, we had the um, uh, what's his name, the the Affleck, Casey Affleck, who was in the Manchester by the Sea movie. He did the Dunkin' Donuts. Mm -hmm. Don't you remember that about six months ago? So now for some, this there's this image i think across america yeah, that people have yeah, of yeah. like yeah. boston people <laughs> and yeah. it, the funny thing is it's not that far removed i mean it's really uh, mm -hmm. it really is that's those are like the true bostonians so basically the character in the beer commercial it's almost like the same character as a dunkin donuts and it's yeah, hilarious yeah. right yeah oh but it's I so well done feel that yeah. way about sam adams beer i mean it's all right like to me i'm not a big fan of craft beer not that i judge okay. I mean, you like that stuff that's fine but like to me like so much of it is like you know, this was brewed in the underpants of a Trappist monk, you know? Gross, you know? I like, you know... Like well, it's, it's a, an acquired taste, the IPAs. I, I love the craft beers, and I started getting into the sour, sour beers. Yeah. But okay. Sam, I never liked Sam Adams, and... Well, it's pretty, like, generic stuff, I think. They, I mean, they mm -hmm. were one of the first kind of craft brewery people in the early 80s, so it was kind of the first, you know, non-Budweiser or big, you know, right. hand bush guys to make beer. Well, I remember, and so that stuck, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I remember when the uh, craft beers, I mean, a good 10 years ago or the more. The big boom. Mm -hmm. And Sam Adams came out with an IPA. I think it was called Rebel. And it's yes. awful. <laughs> like, they try, like. <laughs> it yeah, just no. wasn't up to par. The the one beer I did like was there was a cranberry uh, beer that came out. It was a seasonal, and you could only get it in the variety pack, the winter variety pack. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
It's like how I'm to sorry. make a bad thing worse. You know, when they take a seasonal beer, it's like, that's my joke, how to make a bad thing worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Put, put a pumpkin in it. I haven't you know? found the pumpkin. Pumpkin. I, <laughs> there's, this, there's this beer app, and you can log in the beers that you've had. Oh, wow. So, so we're talking over the last six years, not like mm -hmm. the last month. I've had like um, 350 different beers. Nice. Proud so of you. I like to try different beers. Yeah. So what but do you, what I, do you but I have not found, except Dogfish makes a that's about the best pumpkin beer mm -hmm. yeah because it's not overwhelming and uh but jim you know. live you live for the pumpkin you live you no live, i don't you, like pumpkin <laughs> you live for when they put it in the yeah, coffee. pumpkin spices like in everything. it's in coffee for the next uh month and a half i don't get it man I, it's, it's so what's your favorite me, favorite no. beer i see you drinking guinness i drink guinness a lot uh and i like guinness uh but you i mean i'm i'm a, I'm a simple easy please guy like i i like Lager beer, like real lager beer, like German lager beer, or or Mexican beer, which is a lager mm -hmm. beer. Or yeah, I mean, I like Budweiser. It doesn't like me very much for some reason. It doesn't yeah. agree with me, but I, I like it. Perhaps Blue Ribbon is good. Uh -huh. um, yeah. I, I, I this you'll you'll appreciate this one because you're you're a craft guy. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to throw the place under the bus. But uh, mm -hmm. we played a gig at a brewery, uh -huh. and I'm probably the only person in history that got into trouble for sneaking their own beer in to a brewery oh, yeah yeah i can't <laughs> yeah. drink this yeah. shit. Like, here's a, here's a free beer but now i'll just pass yeah, they you got a water you got a water yeah they don't want right? to so I, I snuck my own beers and they're like hey well, you, you can't have those in here and i was like i'm really sorry they're like well you want, we'll give you beers it's a brewery i was like I, I can't drink any of your beer it's gross you know what i mean i was trying to diplomatically you know say well, that it's yeah. like going to a restaurant and bringing your own steak you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, but if it's a steak restaurant and you get there and you find out all the serving is like you know alligator steak, yeah, you know, the man, it's oh, like yeah, yeah. But I, I like the loggers. I like the loggers too. I'm right with you, and and Jim likes it hoppy, and uh, I just yeah, I love I love logger. I, I don't like right. it hoppy, but you know, yeah. So in England, right where I grew up, yeah. there's breweries everywhere. You know, and that you you'll have your national breweries and you have your local breweries, and like in my hometown, there's a place called Arkles. So in mm -hmm. pubs in England, there's they're either a they're they're a public house, they're owned by the brewery, or they're what what's called a a free house, which means it's independently owned. They can carry whatever they want. So the mm -hmm. the the Arkles Brewery pub, for example, carries all the Arkles beer. However, they will also sell Guinness and like Carlsberg because they mm -hmm. understand that not everybody likes that shit. So it's like to me, it's yeah. like just have one beer for the normal people, you know, like <laughs> you know. It's like a real drag, you know, and a lot of these places too, because I'll be like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to like any of this beer. And oh, have you ever noticed too, when they say, I'm like, hey, listen, because you're a larger guy, right? I'll, you'll, you'll be like, yeah. all right, so let's assume I'm a guy that doesn't really like this kind of beer. Like, what would be the thing to, and they're like, oh, we'll try this. And this like cloudy glass of yuck uh -huh. comes out. And you're like, why would you ever imagine that I would like this? You know, so, so yeah. plan B is you'll get a cocktail, right? But a yeah. lot of these places, they just have a beer and wine. They don't have cocktails. So I'm like, now I'm really doomed. You know, it's like. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah. then the and then the cocktail is uh, $14 or something. Too sure. <laughs> I mean, so, you know. What, yeah. Well, there's really a club high. in town. They had this uh, They had this policy. The whole thing was like they only sold local. They had a restaurant, too. And it was like local everything, which is cool. Mm -hmm. But they don't, um, you know, there was no local beer. They wouldn't serve like a normal beer because they only had to be local stuff. And so. Um, you know, I remember having an argument with the person that ran. I was like, listen, you know, you're, you're like losing business here because a lot of people don't like this stuff. I was like, just have one beer. I said, it's not about mm -hmm. the money. I, I'll pay, I'll yeah. gladly pay six bucks for Pabst Blue Ribbon right now so I yeah. don't have to drink that. I just don't want to yeah. drink this stuff, you know? Yeah, just one. Well, right, well, right. A lot of the independent, one. I go to North Carolina a couple times a year and there's a lot of the 
small breweries. Yeah, and they yeah. only have the beers that they make. Yeah. There. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, I get it. That's the thing. But like, you know, it's, there's like that Anthony Bourdain thing about the ketchup. Have you guys heard of that one? So he's like, what it's Anthony it? Bourdain, yeah. right? He's like this fantastic yeah. chef, you know, yeah. connoisseur yeah. of food. And in yeah. one of his books, someone showed it to me. He's like, all right. He goes, I just want to say for the record, all of you, you know, people out there that are your restaurants, he's just like, stop making your own ketchup. He goes, you can't <laughs> beat the original. Mm-hmm. It tastes great. No yeah. one cares. He's like, just, yeah. just, there's no need for this. Yeah. He's like, focus on, don't give me your organic, whatever. He goes, I don't care. Just give me the Heinz 57. It's awesome. It's yeah, there's nothing like Heinz. Yeah. You buy right? the store brand, it's just, yeah. <laughs> just go for it, man. You know, it's, yeah. and that's why I always kind of think about that with the beers. Just, just have one, you know, for the regular yeah. people. Have one for the logger man. Yeah, yeah. Story. Although there is, I will say, there's a, there's, a, there's a brewery out in Western Mass. I think it's called Jack Abbey's. And they mm-hmm. make, uh, it's called Jack Abbey's House Lager. And it's, okay. uh, it's actually really crisp and kind of like a Bex. It's, it's, it's actually excellent. I, that one, I, if I stumble across that in my travels, I'm like, okay, I'll take mm-hmm. that one because that's the only yeah. one. We have Narragansett up here, which is from Rhode Island. And uh, I feel bad because I, I love the company. I love the concept of it because it's local. And it's the beer that's in the movie Jaws. It's what Quint drinks, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they call it Narragansett Lager. It's sweet and sickly and gross. And, and, I, and, and they have no business calling it a lager beer. It's not, you yeah. know? Yeah, and you think someone would taste it before uh, they Yeah, how to make a bad thing somebody. work. You know, it's like, ugh. But, uh, but, you know, they're nice guys. And, I, and a lot of people like it okay. I'm just, I'm like a reverse snob with beer. I just like the cheap, cheap stuff, you know? There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> right? You know, we, we, have, we have Yangling up here. You know, I don't like that, man. I, I was excited yeah. to try it because when it first kind of came up here and I tried it, I was just mm-hmm. like, yep, no thanks. That's not for me, you know? I the like, oldest uh, beer in America or something like that? It, it tastes like, like, a, it tastes like they claim, made yeah, it 200 yeah. years ago. That's what <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Aged. My yeah. favorite cheap beer, though, is Rolling Rock. Yeah. I like the Rolling Rock, but it's in the morning. You know, in the summer, and I, you know, hot day. Yeah, you I can't beat a, a hot day, right? Yeah. Like a crisp. Yeah. Nice beer, like Rolling Rock's great. For oh, some yeah. reason, like everything in the Budweiser family, I can drink the hell out of it, but it, mm-hmm. the, the next day I'm really feeling it. It doesn't, you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. the art of the cows come on, or like German beer or whatever. Mexican beer is fine, but something about Bud, I don't know why. I just, it doesn't agree with me. And I, Michelob is one I, I hate. I just, it gives me a headache. I, mm-hmm. it's I got something I, in it. Yeah. I, I actually feel ill if I, I haven't drank it in, you know, 20, 30 years. <laughs> Can't remember. Yeah. Last, last time I threw up, you know. <laughs> so. yeah. But I got buddies that drink Bud Lights till the cows come home. That's their go-to yeah. jam. It works for them. It just mm-hmm. doesn't – I'll drink one if it's there, but it's not – I know I'm going to regret it if I do. But whereas, like, you know, a Tecate – I love Mexican beers. Great, right? Mm-hmm. Tecate mm-hmm. – uh, you know, uh, Dos Equis or... Uh, Dos Equis, yeah. Uh, reliable. You know, reliable Modelo. Dos Equis. Modelo's my new... My, new, my yeah. daughter's oh, okay. 10 years old now, so she's, you know, she's drinking, and we are both aficionados of the Mexican beer, so that's usually what we have in our fridge. Is, uh, How old is your daughter? She's 21. Oh, I thought you said 10. In English, she's not young, you know, but... Uh, now she, she plays... I give her a shout-out. She's a very talented musician herself. That's her guitar back there, right, on the stairs. Yeah, she just got that Longhorn bass. She's, uh, so her boyfriend oh, okay. is uh, in a band, um, this gal called Michaela Davis. It's kind of, kind of like jam bandy kind of thing. She plays mm-hmm. the harp, like the big, giant okay. harp. Yeah. Yeah. But he's her bass player, and uh, they played with, like, you know, Bob Weir from The Dead and toured a lot of big, big jam band festivals, wow. so... So my daughter is a singer-songwriter. Annabelle Lord Patey is her name, and mm-hmm. uh, she's got a record out on the iTunes and stuff. And uh, but she's really now 
she's finishing up college. She's got one more, uh, she'll be done in the spring. And uh, so she's mm-hmm. kind of focused on that. But she's, she's one of these people, she's a great guitar player, better than I am. But she's, she can play the bass, she can play the piano. She's, she, her new thing is steel guitar. I got her a steel guitar, mm-hmm. she's a steel guitar. Oh, wow. But she just scored that longhorn bass because it's a short neck and she's kind of small. She's like, I love this mm-hmm. bass. So she actually sat mm-hmm. in and did a song with me last night, which was fun. So um, yeah, that's her longhorn mm-hmm. Sitting in the corner there, so that's great. She, that's she great to and all that good stuff. So that's great up. to great to keep it in the family and have that. You know, my my dad played piano, but I never learned, and it's a regret. You know that I'll sure. just keep. But uh, yeah, otherwise, no, 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 uh, no musical diversity or anything in the family. So it's it's great to have that. But uh, well, yeah, my, she's my, said, she never liked my stuff very much growing up. She's kind of okay. coming yeah. around now, like she's into country music now. But for years, she was like. Mm-hmm. I don't. Really, I don't really get what you do. I don't really like that. The dressing. Well, up. I see her playing sometimes with you. On mm-hmm. that She's been screen. sitting in with me lately. Yeah, that's this. Yeah. This is a recent development because for you. <laughs> okay. She, her mother and I. Her mother won the battle of the musical direction she was going to go in, mm-hmm. but she's not coming back to me. It's coming full circle. Yeah. So you know, okay. yeah. mom was, was really friends with um, Elliot Smith, the singer songwriter. So when I first started dating, <clears> mom would <throat> come sleep on a couch. Like so, Elliot became a really good friend, and my daughter, you know, sadly never got to meet him, but. Um, She's a massive, massive Elliot Smith fan. In fact, one of her mm-hmm. biggest prized possessions is she has the uh, Elliot's uh, sister Ashley gave my daughter Elliot's guitar strap that he played on the Oscars. So she has oh, a, wow. like, a prized possession in her room. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she can basically, she's actually doing a song for um, Kill Rockstar's compilation. They're, they're doing uh, like a little box set thing of people covering every single Elliot Smith song. Mm-hmm. Ever. And uh, my daughter's cool. going to have a song on there, I guess. So. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. son's seventeen, and he he's not into music at all. So yeah. It makes me sad. Well, something could right. something could change in a couple of years, you know. Oh, I've come around, man. You know, yeah. it's it's. Uh, they, he's they obsessed with basketball. Well, but no, you know. We'll see. Well, you know what? That was you Chuck Negron. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, you know what I meant to tell you guys was um, Chuck Negron from from Three Dog Night, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I met that cat at oh, uh, yeah. at. Uh, <laughs> My ex-wife was in rehab, <laughs> and he was okay. a at the rehab in L.A. And he would yeah, come yeah. to the because he's, he's a yeah, he's got he's got a programs he's got programs and things that he does and speaks at right. My yeah. ex-wife went to the program, and uh, I got to cool. meet him, and he was a really lovely guy, you know. And because we yeah. do this like, you know, she did like thirty days or whatever, and then like the last week they have like family come out, and I uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the place was like, oh, I was like, geez, I want to have a problem, so I can come to this place. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. where was where was that? It was where was that location? That now, was in L.A.? Yeah, like, like uh, yeah, yeah. Cry, cry Help. Cry Help, yeah. Cry Help, yeah. I think. I think it was, yeah. she was, it was like something like, um, what the, I forget what the organization was, but anyway, it was catered, mm-hmm. catered towards music, musicians. Of course, like a mm-hmm. dork, I met this guy there who was, um, uh, what the hell is his name, Ken, uh, he's the guy that discovered uh, Richie Valance and uh, okay. Delphi Records, and, and I don't know why, I don't know if he was a reformed alcoholic, whatever, but I, he was there at the meeting, and I was like, oh, I was like, sorry, Chuck Negron, I want to meet this guy. <laughs> I got to yeah, talk to him. You know, we're supposed to be yeah. here talking about our significant other's problems. I was like, yeah, but I want to know about the Rick, you know, Richie, Richie Valens recording. So, yeah, yeah he That's was a, a very nice guy. That's a good meet. guy. Yeah, and yeah. He, his story is dark, man. He was from being well, a... Did, you, did you see our, we had our interview with him? I haven't seen it yet. I, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I, so yeah, he's got some good stories. And, yeah, a couple good stories if, that weren't if, in the book. But if you haven't read his book, Three Dog oh, Nightmare, really? you've got to read that book. Oh, you're, all right. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll check that out. Guy, how is this guy still alive? That's yeah. what you're going to Oh, yeah. No, I remember him talking yeah. about being like, you know, 
he'd gone from being like, you know, a Grammy winning artist, whatever, they're, they're making millions. And then suddenly he's like sleeping on a park bench and like, you know, yeah. Oh yeah. Just a, just a couple of years, a few years later or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a rapid decline. Yeah. yeah. So, Expensive drugs. You know, there's yeah, so many people in. that don't make it, you know, and it's like, they don't, it's, it's so I always mm -hmm. have the utmost respect for people that, that, that pull themselves out of that. Cause it's, oh, yeah. it's yeah. a terrible thing, you know, and, yeah. uh, it's great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was great to interview him. And like in the interview with you, you know, it's, it's, you've got a musician and it's not just about the music, but like with, uh, with you and with a lot of musicians we interview, you know, you get to see the, what, what Chuck was then, what he went through, the hell he went through. And now he's, he's uh, playing and recording, uh, singing and, mm -hmm. and all with his daughters. And it's just awesome. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's no, great it's the next generation, you know, like your daughter, you know, and just to see them uh, coming up and just making music. And it's exciting. Mm -hmm. it's exciting. Well, I'll tell you a funny story. I, I, so I used to run a club in Boston for years, a place called Teaching the Bears. And um, I opened up the club one day and I, I would be the first one there because we weren't, we weren't a restaurant. We were just music, you know. So I open up and the uh, first one there and uh, this woman comes in, older woman, and she's like, is he here yet? And I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? She's like, you don't know? And I was like, no. And she goes, <laughs> Steven Stills from Crosby, Stills and Nash, his, his son is playing here tonight. And I was like, I think I would have heard about that. So <laughs> I think you got to run because there was another club next door. I said, I said, you know, uh, okay. what? I think you should try it next door. I think you're yeah. used. So she wanders off and I'm doing a couple of things. I go outside to have a smoke. This cab pulls up and freaking Steven Stills comes in. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, there was a woman here. She's she still here. He was a little, you know. And he's like, where is everybody? It was just me and Steven Stills in the club. I was like, well, no one's here wow. yet. You know? And it turned out it was his daughter, not his son. So okay. he's like, we're going to take off and, uh, you know, I'll come back later. And he's like, let me give you some money to get it. I was like, dude, you're, I said, my, the, the, the gal that owns this place is a massive fan of yours. And she would be mortified if I charged you to come in. Please don't <laughs> yeah. worry. Oh, yeah. So anyway, he comes back to the show and it, and it hadn't been advertised. Not a lot of people knew that it was, you know, that he was going to be there. Right. So there's probably about 30 people maybe in the place. And, um, she starts playing with her band and he is like a nervous wreck, man. He's like pacing and he's coming back and he's sitting on the other side of the bar. And he, I, yeah. I knew exactly what he was going through. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, my daughter, I play in front of, I don't care, you know, but when my daughter plays a gig, I'm like a nervous wreck for her. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. So when they got done, he came and sat. I was like, I was like, I know exactly what you're going through. I said, my daughter plays and I feel the same way. He goes, he goes, I played a goddamn Woodstock. He goes, I wasn't even nearly as good as I was on the stage. And I was like, so it's a weird thing with your kids, man. You get really yeah. You know, and then he starts yeah. telling me about, because he's like, he's like, well, the guitar player was feeding back a little bit. And he's like, it reminded me of playing with Neil back in the day. And I was like, holy shit, Neil. Yeah, wow. yeah. Neil used to yeah. feed back, yeah. you know? <laughs> This <laughs> is real. This is real. Yeah. Doesn't matter yeah, if you're a rock star. When your kid's out there, mm -hmm. man, you, you, there's a vulnerability to that, you know? So My daughter plays drums and uh, I, I'm a drummer and I try to teach her, but she taught herself. That's sure. great, you know? But uh, she's got faster licks than I do. Uh, but anyway, when she plays, it's, she's just smooth and cool. And I'm, I'm just, I'm nervous. I, I'm, I'm afraid she's going to mess up or something. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But, you know, uh, she can twirl a stick. And I can't, you know, it's like, oh, my God. So, oh, yeah. Um, no, yeah, I know, what you, I, I know what you mean. It's just, it's, uh, you get nervous. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. It's, even if you yeah. sleep pills, you get nervous, right? So, yeah. If the kids yeah. are all right, it's a good thing. You know, it's nice that tradition goes on, you know. Mm -hmm. you yeah, it's hard, you hard wish to you imagine. Or something, but, you know, take care of me in my old age. But, you know, <laughs> rock and roll one, so. although she is going to college, so she's going to, uh, she's at least, she at least did that. So she'll have something to fall back on. Again, so, right. Maybe she'll do both. So I want to tell you, yeah. I love that. I love that guitar you have there. This one here? Is that a custom made or 
Are you just... yeah, it's actually a, a pretty cheap, crappy Yamaha guitar that uh, oh, okay. that I found. But I had it. Uh, I I changed the tuning heads, and I um, I had a friend of mine. I put a new, this. This is not. It wasn't originally black and white. And my friend mm -hmm. Beck from the New England Shaker painted it. But this guitar is actually on its last legs, and the only reason I'm playing okay. it is because I um I I bought a, a nice Martin guitar that uh, is okay. in the shop right now, having to pick up put it. I mean, I'm going to have T.K. Smith put custom pick guards on it. Mm -hmm. But that being said, I got to get this one fixed too because I like I love this Martin guitar, but mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I want to take it on the road. We're near uh, Martin guitar. I used to live down the street. Yeah, uh, I, live, I, live in, I live in Bethlehem. Oh, let's see what we got there. For, for our listeners, he's showing us a tattoo on his right bicep. Oh wow! And it wow. says Martin, Martin and Company. And Company. Very so nice. My ex wife Go ahead. had a nineteen fifty three Martin D eighteen that wow. in a convoluted way the guitar was bought for her by her ex-boyfriend who happened to be mm -hmm. Kurt Cobain so oh, wow so I used to she didn't like the way the guitar played after a while because it was but I loved it I loved that guitar so when we split up she took the guitar back and, and then sold it to spite me so I got the tattoo to remember it Okay. The guitar now resides in the Martin Museum in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. They oh, wow. bought it at auction and restored it. And that when I went down, I went down there to the tour because I know a guy that works there. He took it out of the case and let me play it. And I was like, mm, Jesus, it plays cool. a lot. And, I, wow. and all these guys are coming over asking me about the guitar, you know. And I was like, yeah. mm -hmm. them all the people that had played it. And I was like, see this thing here? That's where my bass player uh, accidentally, you know, <laughs> dropped the thing on it. And this yeah. whole I was I was listing all the damage <laughs> to it, you know, and things that had happened under my watch, but. Uh, but yeah, that, if you go to the Martin Museum, you will see it there. It says mm -hmm. Errol Lord's uh, 1953 D18. Um, that We're going to go there very, soon. Very cool. I regret. Cool. I lived in Bethlehem for 10 years. Yeah. But halfway between but Nazareth and Bethlehem. Lower yeah. Nazareth Township. Yeah. Yeah. So it was literally, yeah. I don't know, five miles from yeah. Martin Guitar, but never never got there. Well, yeah, my brother. Me an email, and I'll give you the guy's name that I know that works okay. there. Because uh, he'll give you like a VIP tour of the factory. And okay. What he did wow. for me when I was there, I mean, he took the guitar out so I could play it, which was great. Oh, yeah. But we're, he's like, when you're done with a little museum, meet me in my lobby and I'll give you a factory tour. So we're standing in the lobby and there's like this okay. incredible mahogany case yeah. in it on either side of these gigantic photos of Hank Williams playing this guitar and the guitar is in the case. Wow. And then he right. comes out, he goes, we're standing there like taking pictures of the case. He goes, do you want to play it? I was like, oh. okay. <laughs> and he took the, you know, wow. And it was oh, a wow. 1949 D28. No, sorry. Yeah, it was a D28. And it was the first, uh, it was the first nice guitar Hank bought when he first made money. And he later got a D. No, it was a D18 because then he got a D28 and then a D35. But um, all I could think about was like, I wonder what songs were written on this guitar. Like, you know how yeah. it is. You get a nice guitar, right? You get yeah, yeah. inspired to write songs. And he'd had the first hit. So now all the hits that came after were probably written on that guitar. And I just, mm -hmm. I couldn't even think about the tour after that. I was like, so <laughs> impressed that I held Hank Williams' guitar, you know? And yeah. I, just, I had to call my dad after and tell him, I'm like, I yeah. oh, Hank Williams' guitar, you know? But you know what's neat about that place is the, um, the history of the factory, because of where they were located when, when uh, Martin moved it out of New York City to, to mm -hmm. rural Pennsylvania, it's farmland. So back in the day, a large percentage of the employees and the skilled laborers were women. Because the guys mm -hmm. were working in the farms. Yeah, yeah. did not know that. Long tradition. Of, and, and when you go on the factory tour, you'll notice it's probably like 50% women working there, like real skilled luthiers and stuff. And there, there's a lot of women that build, which is kind of neat, you know, in, in this mm -hmm. day and age. Because uh, you always think guitars are a real guys thing, you know, but Martin's yeah. really, uh, you know. 
Now the original the original Martin Guitar uh, Company is more in center the town of Nazareth. And my brother lived just a block from there, yeah. and I got some. Uh, you know, they brought in imported woods from all over, and so I gathered some of those woods uh, um, to do wood carving and stuff. So I've oh, got man. some wood carvings at home, and other pieces of those wood are in Martin Guitars around the world. And that's but uh, yeah. So then they move out. So for our listeners, if you're anywhere near Nazareth, PA. Uh, it's amazing. You can tour the factory. You see where they're made at different levels, and you see these uh, luthiers—they're called right. The yep. guitar makers uh, at different levels, and you see the high-end guitars being made one at a time. It's just—it's amazing to watch. Yeah. And of course, yeah. you can see the museum, and and as you did, uh, Jack, you know, to, to touch <laughs> to touch yeah. some of these guitars. Amazing. Yeah, the original factory too, because so they recreated the front of the building, which is the museum, to look like the original factory, but it's like like okay. a mile away, right? Yeah. The cool thing is, if you go to the original factory, it's so painted up like, you know, C.F. Martin on the on the yeah, wall. Yeah, it's all there. There's just one little door. The guy was telling us, this one little door on the side. And he goes, every Martin guitar from like something like 1890 up until, I think, 1967 mm-hmm. came through that door. Oh, yeah. So you think like the Hank guitar that I played, the 53 that Mary Lou owned, um, mm-hmm. Kurt Cobain's yeah. Martin, you know, any famous Martin, Bob Dylan. Okay, yeah. and it's a little uh, door. It's not like door. You know, they were, were hand-making guitars. Yeah. It wasn't like a big loading dock. It was like they would, you yeah. know, they would probably yeah. bring like five, ten guitars out a day or whatever out of this little mm-hmm. door. And I was just like, yeah. it really blew my mind to think about, you know, wow, every guitar that's... Yeah, I, I can picture different places of that building. And um, when I went looking for wood carving, uh, I, I got Paduke, mahogany, and scrap pieces. And they were charging me just uh, between a dollar and five dollars, depending on the size, for these you know pieces that you just I, now for that for those blank pieces of wood, you know, it'd be fifteen or twenty, you know, for sure, to find yeah. that. But, and it wouldn't be part of a Martin history. Yeah, so beautiful sure, place. Yeah, yeah. I bet that, I bet some of that wood's actually even like. Not illegal to own, but certainly illegal to import now. You know what I mean? It's yeah, yeah. Brazilian and it's so wood. it's so old and cured too. I mean, you know, just beautiful wood, no cracks. You know, all that, of course. Yeah. Very cool, man. Yeah. Excellent. So, what about another song? Were you yeah. thinking? What were you thinking, Jim? Uh, how about Avid Endorsement? Oh, okay. The the the, the quarantine song. <laughs> yes, I watched the video this now, morning over breakfast. I'm watch, and it was a little. Now, it was catchy, catchy tune. Now this was written before. W- yeah, this song was written, uh, this one's been in the pipeline a few years now, and we actually, we were trying to record, and the way we record, like going in and setting up live, it's, sometimes it doesn't, you're not happy with the results, so we've actually tried to record this song like three times and just never really okay. been happy with the result of it, so it's certainly on the, on the, on the chopping block for the next mm-hmm. record, but um, I wish I'd had recorded it before, because I could have been, probably, it would have been a big hit right oh, now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about yeah, the, uh, the lifestyle of the avid endorsement. You know what I mean? So uh, you've heard of the avid outdoorsman. This is the avid. Mm -hmm. So, all right, I'll give this one a go. I'm an avid endorsement, they say, and I wouldn't 
shove those cold behind me and a fishing I stay home for hugging and a kissing I'm an addict indoors when these days my pals they all call me on the phone worry that I'm home and all alone but I just tell them not to fret there's a real cute gal sipping in my bed I'm an addict indoors when these days I'm an addict indoorsman, they say, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Some folks go for hunting and a fishing, I stay home for hugging and a kissing. I'm an addict indoorsman these days. So fellas, listen up, take my advice. Don't waste your life in a fool's paradise. Just take a tip from me and say that a real fine woman will set you free. I'm an avid indoorsman these days. I'm an avid indoorsman, they say. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Some folks go for hunting and a fishing. I stay home for hugging and a kissing. I'm an avid indoorsman these days. I'm an avid indoorsman these days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very good. And so well, appropriate for the times. <laughs> Very appropriate for the times. So is, it, is there anything we missed? Uh, I don't know. We covered a lot of the bases. Think, cover? I'm, uh, yeah. I'm off to go cut someone's hair. I'm also... Uh, oh, okay. I, I started training to be a barber about six, seven years ago, and I never... Oh. finished because i i couldn't commit the time i was busy and traveling and so with this mm -hmm. whole covid thing i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna revisit so i re-signed up and uh i'm just finishing up my hours now so i'm cutting cutting people's hair on the side but that's gonna be okay. uh it's gonna be my gig come uh come the new year really i you know yeah. I'll, I'll be obviously playing that's the nice thing about barber you can do it anywhere right so i can i can oh you do it out of your house yeah, I got a little chair in my living room. I do it here. Oh, you know, cool. um, but uh, mm -hmm. I'm gonna, I got a buddy has a shop next town over. I'm gonna, and then I may open my own shop at some point, you know. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, just had to have the flexibility to be able to have something that makes you money when you're out of town is good, you know. And when yeah, you yeah. travel, I, I have a lot of friends, musician friends that are barbers too. And it's like, you know, if I'm going to go to LA for say a couple of weeks, maybe stay a few extra days and sit, do a little guest spot, someone's shop, you know. That's yeah, yeah. Well, that's Excellent. my thing. Excellent. When I'm down in Philly, you guys need a, need a haircut in the Jersey. Okay. I hardly have, I don't have any hair. Yeah, we, we don't have that much left. You got a nice head of hair. We can do a head shape. That's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so uh, our listeners, where can they find your music? Uh, a lot of people search uh, Apple, iTunes, Apple Music search. What yeah. else uh, Most What else you want to tell them? I have a band camp where some of the stuff that you might not find on the iTunes and Apple Music is on the band camp. Uh, mm -hmm. We did a Raging Teens reunion uh, a couple years ago, and uh, Beck from Swell Tune Records put out a 45. Uh, so that's that's available Swell Tune Records. Um, just if you just Google us, you're gonna find it. You know, I'm mm -hmm. really bad at like all that stuff. Amy tends to handle all the merchandise stuff. I don't really. Do you have a website? Uh, yes and no. I had a website, but I erroneously forgot to renew the thing. Oh. It down. Uh -huh. So, so yeah. they basically, I got it rerouted. So it just goes to the Facebook page, you know? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So if you don't miss it, then, you know, it, maybe it wasn't, it wasn't, bringing me any money it wasn't as needed. Yeah. On social media now. So if you go to jitterjack.com, it actually takes you to the, uh, to the jitterjack Facebook page and okay. uh, there's contact info there. Like 
you can, we got some t-shirts and stuff. I just, Oh yeah. I remember. I think I clicked on that link and it took me back to Facebook. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, yeah. I foolishly forgot to pay the thing or something and they, you know, they yeah. took it down and then I was yeah. going to have to like pay hundreds of dollars to have someone redo it. I was like, you know what? What's the point? No one ever goes on that damn thing anyway. Yeah. So, so you're going to do these live streams for yeah, a while, I guess. Until I, until I, until I don't have to anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, me and Amy, we, we did one together. Um, she lives in the city, and she she lives in a like um, she lives with like five other people. They live it's kind of like this artist community type house thing, and so mm -hmm. you know she's very um, mindful of the virus because mm -hmm. everyone she lives with. So she's pretty. Yeah. You know, I can't go over her house, you know, and she right, she, right. she won't really come over here without wearing a okay. mask, which is fine. But it's hard to sit around and do a live stream when you. We did one outside yeah. in the summer, but I uh, okay. I'm actually yeah. going to go down. It's I guess you have a, you have a little uh, inside story here, but um, when I get done with the barber stuff in January, I'm gonna. I hate the winter, so mm -hmm. we, me and Amy always go away. Like January, February, March, we go away seven, ten days of every month. Go mm -hmm. to warmer mm -hmm. climates, right? Tour yeah. down south. Go to Texas. Go to California. And uh, obviously this year that's not going to happen. So I decided I'm yeah. going to take a road trip and go down south. And then I've been talking to uh, my pal Dale Watson. And uh, his wife, Celine, Celine Lee, is a great singer herself. And um, he owns a place called Hernando's Hideaway in Memphis, Tennessee. It's a mm -hmm. legendary club that Elvis played at back in the day. Like Carl Perkins, everyone yeah. played there. There's a, there's a Johnny Burnett song uh, called Rockabilly Boogie, where they talk about this little place called the Hideaway. And yeah. it's been closed mm -hmm. for like 20 years. And Dale bought it, restored it. It's an amazing place. Wow. So they're open again with a very limited capacity because no one's really touring. Dale's been like the house man because he can't go on tour. So he's been mm -hmm. playing every night. So they extended an offer if I want to come down that I can sit in with, uh, with, with, with those guys, use Dale's band. And uh, so that might happen late January. Okay. So uh, I'll let the folks know. But you're the first to hear about it. So Yeah. yeah. Have you come to, have you been in New Jersey? Yeah, we used to play. Um, we have these friends, uh, Deb Calabro and her, her, uh, her fella uh, Gordon. So they, they go by. Crash Gordon, I think is their name. Yeah. And they used to put shows. We used to play, years ago, we used to play a place called the Blue Comet, which is just outside of Philly, but on the Jersey side. It was mm -hmm. like a, kind of like a restaurant. And on the Sundays, the guy was a big Rocket League fan, so we would close the restaurant and do this like live music thing. We used to do that for years. And then there was another um, event that was happening. It was like a VFW hall, but I heard that place closed. Um, but we went down and played. How was it for that place we played? I'm so bad with names of places because I go mm -hmm. to so many places, but uh, Roxy and Dukes, place okay. uh, it's somewhere, you know, not far from Philly, but certainly on the Jersey side, you know? Okay. So we've done a few. We usually get down that way once or twice a year and play because we'll play like New York and then maybe do a Sunday afternoon thing over there, you know? So uh, we mm -hmm. do get down that direction, but it's just uh, obviously it's been a while. That's, uh, yeah. Nothing's happened. Right? We'll be in. So are good. you guys close to Philly or? Hour. We're like an hour and a half, hour 20. Yeah, north, directly north of Philly, along the Delaware River, PA in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah it's funny because we're like an, an hour and 20 to New York, hour and 20 to Philly. Yeah. We're like. So right in the middle. There you go. Yeah, I, but we're not traveling right now to shows, right? Because wa Washington, <laughs> New Jersey is like I could drive um, 20 minutes, 30 minutes to get to Pennsylvania. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. not that far. Well, Jack, it's been great. Great yeah. talking to you, yeah, getting you, to know you. It was fun. Thank was, you. Thanks for having me on. It was great. Giving us the music too, not just the talk. So it's great. Well, thanks for giving me something okay. to do on a, on a Saturday. I, I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thanks. great. Right, guys. Take I'll care.
Take care, man. Yeah. All right. I know a guy named Hager. Got a style that just don't fit. When the other cats drag around their high rise, it goes cruising in his rocket ship. And do the rocket rock. Man, the rocket rock. Intro and exit music by the band 99%. Today's show is produced and edited by Jim Thatcher. You can find Jim and Mike Talk on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and their host site, Podbean. The songs Dance, Adrian Dance, and Viking Rock, used with permission of Jittery Jack.